The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them. We gather for ordered worship, to worship Almighty God, to illumine the imagination by the beauty of God, to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to warm the heart by the love of God, to devote the will to the purposes of God. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day for our gathered congregation here at Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your decisions about forms of ministry and service in our midst, and as the spirit moves come Sunday, your presence with us. In particular, this day, we welcome four graduating BU seniors who, in a decades-long tradition at Marsh Chapel, bring us statements on the theme, This I Believe. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Amen.
pray. O God, you have prepared for those who love you such good things as surpass our understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you that we, loving you in all things and above all things, may obtain your promises which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, as we begin this particular service of worship, we recognize that we, as the Apostle says, are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who are graduating and particularly these fine four voices you will hear in a moment. We also recognize as a community at Boston University that we have lost three of our own students in New Zealand and today especially we think of their families and their parents and their friends. Beloved Marsh Chapel, we have a role to play, we have a task to perform week by week, and that is to embody a capacity to exude and exemplify faith. That is, as you do regularly, to be together on Sunday morning as an addressable, faithful community that knows from experience how to face disappointment with honesty, loss with love, grief with grace, and death with dignity, to withstand what we cannot understand as a body, as a community of faith. And so to live our creed, we believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in the true person, Jesus, to reconcile and make new, who works in us by the Spirit. We trust in God. God calls us to be the church, the body of Christ, to celebrate Christ's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice, to resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope. In life, in death, in life beyond death, God is with us, we are not alone. Thanks be to God. Rejoicing we hold with the right hand, weeping we hold with the left. Through all we witness to our faith. As the choir sings our traditional Kyrie, may we bow in silent prayer and confession. Let us pray.
but for the grace of God, we would not be. But for the grace of God, we could not love. But for the grace of God, we should not speak. But by God's grace, we live and love and speak. Beloved, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 10, verses 44 through 48. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
a lesson from the first epistle of St. John, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the parent loves the child. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For the love of God is this, that we obey his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome, for whatever is born of God conquers the world. And this is the victory that conquers the world, our faith. Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one that testifies, for the Spirit is the truth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in saying verses from Psalm 98 with the antiphon. the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory. The Lord has made known his victory. He has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Now let us stand as we are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 15, verses 9 through 17. Glory to you, O Lord. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. seated. We gather here in the nave of Marsh Chapel this Sunday morning with four of our graduating students. They will walk with their diplomas next Sunday, and we greet them this morning to, as they reflect on what their faith has meant to them during their time here at BU. Our first This I Believe speaker this year is Mr. Michael Bruffy, coming to Boston from Brooklyn, New York, graduating from the College of Arts and Sciences with a degree in anthropology. morning. I believe that at our root, we are all joyous, compassionate beings with a natural drive to be loving and kind to each other. My spiritual journey here at Boston University all started with a question. When I was a freshman, I was a little lost and didn't know what I wanted to do academically or otherwise. I had lots of big questions about life, such as who am I, what is my passion, how do I help people? So I did what any college freshman would do. I went looking on Facebook. <laughs> there was this little club called the BU Zen Group that met every Wednesday night right here in the basement of Marsh Chapel, so I decided to join them for sitting meditation. As I remember, those first 15 minutes of meditation were the longest I'd ever sat still in my life. 
But something about the quality of that experience resonated with me and planted a seed, for here I am five years later and I've dived right into the practice of Buddhism. There was no one telling me how to live, no one telling me what I should or shouldn't do. There was, a, just, a, there was just a sense of, here, come sit down with us and experience your life as it unfolds in this moment. Find your own truth, then use that to help other people. It was astonishingly simple. I believe in people. I believe that people love to be acknowledged, that we need to be attended to, and that deep down we all recognize that this feeling of being separate from each other, separate from the universe, separate from God, is fundamentally delusion, and that in reality we have a shared existence. We are not separate from each other, and we are certainly not separate from the universe. We're very much a part of it. And we create suffering for ourselves and others when we forget this point and start wanting something extra out of our lives or pushing other things away. Rather, if we can recognize this shared existence, if we practice acceptance of everything that appears in our lives moment to moment, then we can wake up to our true compassionate nature and help this world. Out on Marsh Plaza in front of this chapel is a statue of doves wrought from iron dedicated to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his vision of peace. On one side is a quote from a sermon Dr. King gave more than a few times. He said, far from being the pious injunction of a utopian dreamer, the command to love thy enemy is an absolute necessity for the survival of our civilization. We have this legend here at BU that when the world finally realizes this vision of peace and brotherhood, those iron doves will be released from their pedestal and fly off into the sky. I am grateful to be at an institution which has given me the opportunity to wake up to that spirit of unconditional love. That's not just a Christian idea. All the major religious traditions of the world teach the same thing. In Zen, we call that great love, great compassion, the great bodhisattva way. It's even as simple as keeping a smile on your face. It's the kind of smile that, when you are doing your job and helping others, appears all by itself. There's a contagious quality to smiles and laughter. When we see someone smiling, we can't help but follow suit, and that gives us a little bit of peace. No matter what I end up doing after graduation, it has become my aspiration in this life to share that joyfulness and peace with as many people as I can. I hope that you all go about your own life, as you all go about your own lives, you can, in your own way, share a little bit of joy with someone. I hope that you all can wake up, find your own truth, and help other people. Thank you. Our second This I Believe speaker, Ms. Muna Sheikh, comes to us more locally from North Andover, Massachusetts. She'll be graduating from the College of Arts and Sciences with a degree in history. Good morning. As a Muslim student, 
I'm often asked questions about my views on Islam and the role that my faith plays in my own life. Over the past four years at BU, thinking critically about my faith experience and practicing that faith in a college environment, my own answers to these questions have changed considerably. When I first arrived at college, I came with a set of assumptions about my faith and community that framed Islam as something rigid, dogmatic, and often incompatible with American ideals. Growing up in a South Asian community, I had developed an understanding of Islam that was culturally specific and didn't always accord with my situation as an American. I didn't understand Islam well, and I was both distraught over my misunderstandings about the religion and unsure about where I could find answers to the questions that I had about my faith. Coming to college afforded the opportunity for me to examine my faith both academically and authentically. Studying, living, and interacting in an environment that encouraged me to engage in discussion and dialogues with students of different backgrounds pushed me to think critically about my interpretation of Islam. As I explored religious sources independently for the first time, I learned to cultivate a faith practice that both respected and celebrated what was culturally normative for me while also remaining religiously authentic. On a personal level, my faith has helped me cope with personal challenges and it has served as the backbone and motivation for everything I do. Over time, I also came to understand that integrating into a college environment didn't necessarily mean that I had to keep my religious identity intensely private. Rather, I came to understand integration to mean embracing and appreciating my own faith as having something positive to offer in a pluralistic environment. It meant reaching out to different faith communities to change negative stereotypes, to foster love and respect, and to replace mutual misjudgment and uncertainty with compassion and understanding. Most importantly, my faith has encouraged me to think about what I offer to society as a college student. My faith keeps me focused on the ultimate goal of using the skills that I've gained over the past four years to rectify societal injustices, to alleviate human suffering, and to benefit society. It's meant never losing sight of the common bond that we share with humanity and our responsibility to help one another unconditionally. Over four years, my faith has become something much more than an individualized experience. Through working to stay involved in my community, by striving to serve others and build bridges between our various traditions, my experience as part of the BU community has helped me add depth to my religious beliefs and kept my faith practice alive. Thank you very much. Distance Award this morning goes to Ms. Rebecca Phillips, who comes to Boston University from Gilbert, South Carolina. She will be graduating from the College of Arts and Sciences with degrees in anthropology and religion. You'll have to bear with me. I'm recovering from a cold, so if I squeak, 
plug your ears. <laughs> On your way into church this morning, you may have noticed Marsh Chapel's ornate doors. You may have appreciated its statue of John Wesley. I did. Or you may have noticed the beautiful stones that create this strong chapel. On your way into church this morning, you may not have noticed the signs indicating that Marsh Chapel is a fallout shelter. Now, I've never been too worried about needing a nuclear fallout shelter on campus, but with a best friend obsessed with zombie apocalypses, it's nice to know I have one just in case. As one might expect, a bright-eyed youngin' from South Carolina in my first semester, I needed some shelter, and not just from the bad weather Boston so readily provides. I made my first group of friends at Marsh Chapel by joining Servant Team, and they became my shelter. And then one fateful day, I managed to land my first job at Marsh Chapel. What sealed the deal was a crummy t-shirt I was wearing that depicted a rock opera by The Who. Ray Bouchard instantly became my boss and mentor for classic rock theology. Again, as one might expect, a youngin from South Carolina in my first semester, I did a lot of painful growing and changing. At times, I felt decimated by this natural disaster, college. The hail of homework, the debris of dating, and the floods of friendship. And where did I find myself? Here and your friendly local fallout shelter. <laughs> I remember one particular day, I stormed into Brother Larry's office, distraught and demanding answers. Brother Larry, Brother Larry, I exclaimed, throwing myself into his office chair. I don't think I believe in hell. I expected some comforting words, a shelter from that storm, and a, we'll come around, pray about it. But no, no, no. That's not how shelter works at Marsh Chapel. No, Brother Larry just looked up from his computer and said, so? <laughs> See, here, shelter is not a place to hide from scary parts of life and growth. Shelter is the place that gives you a safe space to prepare for those scary parts. Shelter is that calm and gentle question that invites you to sit with your fears and concerns. So? Over the past four years, I have come to Marsh Chapel for work, worship, guidance, food, theological exploration, and nap time. <laughs> this has been my home at Boston University, my shelter. This safe space has made my spirit strong. A young man affiliated with Marsh Chapel, whose initials are Dean Robert Allen Hill, <laughs> once said, he is pretty young. <laughs> we must remain faithful to the growth and faithful in growing. The patience and gentle questions supplied by Marsh Chapel have remained faithful to my growth. I have grown within these walls in ways that will support me outside of these walls. This I believe. Religion and faith at their best offer not only a shelter from the world, but a place to prepare to better become a part of the world. This I believe. Wherever I am called to serve God's world, I can go with strength, knowing that I will always carry a safe space with me.
fourth and final This I Believe speaker hails from Amherst, New Hampshire. Ms. Kate Rogers will be graduating from the College of Arts and Sciences with a degree in English. Unfortunately, Kate has taken ill this morning, and so reading her prepared statement for her is our Chapel Associate for LGBTQ and UCC Ministry, Ms. Liz Douglas. The first time I entered the British Library during my semester abroad in London, I knew I had found my academic temple. Replete with literary treasures, two of the four surviving Magna Cartas, the original Gutenberg Bible, and scribbled first drafts of the Beatles' most famous songs among them, and abounding with resolute scholars, vested with pencils and laptops, the library felt connected to the whole history of humanity and the pursuit for something higher. The British Library gets 8,000 new publications a day, so it naturally became the base from which I wrote my term paper. And in that setting, I felt as though there was nothing I couldn't learn. In that space, with hundreds of years of scholarship behind me and hours of reading before me, I felt close to God. I believe that all parts of life can be, well, life-giving, and I came to be you a year later than most of my graduating class because I transferred as a sophomore, knowing I wanted such an experience from my new university. I believe things that are life-giving push you to be your best self, achieve what you can, and accept who you are. I wanted invigorating classes with professors as invested as myself. I wanted to be surrounded with refresh refreshingly broad-minded people, and I wanted a connection to a church family where I might talk about the joys, doubts, and beauty of my faith with people who wanted to do the same. Since the moment I arrived at BU, I have been hearing the echo of Howard Thurman, asking me to look for the sound of the genuine and urging I find in the things that make me come alive. I didn't only experience these awe-inspiring suggestions in the Gothic chapels or studious classrooms, but also in casual settings like Outlook, Marsh Chapel's LGBTQ ministry, or around the table of my cooperative house's nightly dinners. Occasionally, when I tell people I study Christian theology and plan to go to seminary, they ask if knowledge of Christian history and teaching is incompatible with my faith in God. To them, I say, not at all. Reading and analyzing the legacy of believers behind me has deepened my sense of the divine in everything. And further, I tell them for me, knowledge and faith must be fused together. People tell me the Bible condemns homosexuality, and I say proudly my denomination and community affirm the sanctity of human love, connection, and commitment found in all human relationships. And when people tell me they've left the church because of its hypocrisy, I can confidently offer my experience at Marsh Chapel as a counterexample. In the classroom, as in the church, I believe my faith in God's presence has infused everything I've done at BU. This, I believe, settings where you feel pushed to find the genuine in yourself and search for the things that make you come alive academically, personally, and spiritually must not be restricted to lofty libraries, but invigorate and animate the core of human life everywhere.
be seated. As we turn our hearts, minds, souls, and bodies toward prayer, I would invite you to assume an attitude and posture of prayer according to your tradition, either sitting, standing, kneeling, or coming to the communion rail. As we join in our call to prayer, lead me, Lord. We join head and heart with body and voice as we offer our prayers to God. I will conclude each petition, God, in your mercy. Please respond, hear our prayer. That we as a chapel and university community may come more and more each day to believe in one another. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer that we as a chapel and university community may come more and more each day to awaken to the spirit of unconditional love. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That those who pass through the halls and seminar rooms of Boston University may be awakened to an examined faith. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer that our graduates may behold what they are, become what they have received here, and offer self and service to a sore and straining world. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That all in our community who seek may find a spiritual shelter from the storms of life. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer that all who seek may find a spiritual home and a spiritual family. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That our graduating students may hear the call to serve and go with strength, carrying the assurance of abiding grace and presence they have received here. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. That our graduating students may be able to become still enough to hear the sound of the genuine welling up within. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray today for the three Boston University students who died in a car accident this weekend in New Zealand, Austin, Daniela, and Roch. Grant to them eternal rest, O God, and may light perpetual shine upon them.
God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the students injured in the same accident, and particularly for Margaret, who remains in a severe condition. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for those in our community who mourn, and particularly on this Mother's Day, for the mothers of the victims. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the responders in our community and in communities who have gone the extra mile to lend support, that they may be strengthened to love and serve those devastated in the wake of tragedy. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the spiritual wisdom to abide in a place between tragedy and celebration, to celebrate with those who celebrate, to weep with those who weep. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. And now, with the confidence of children of God, we are bold to pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. 
We would encourage you here in the nave of Marsh Chapel to take a moment to put your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew and to pass that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. In the wake of tragedy, we would note that there are three message pads set up in the narthex with the names of the three deceased students on them. They will be set up for anyone who would like to put messages there throughout the coming week, uh, and after which they, those uh, message pads will be sent along to those students' parents. We hope you'll take advantage of that opportunity. On the side of celebration, we would note that next Sunday we will, here at 11 o'clock, be having our annual baccalaureate service, and for those who are so inclined, this is an appropriate opportunity for academic regalia, and you are invited to wear such. Our other note of celebration this morning is to our dean, the Reverend Dr. Robert Allen Hill, and his wife Jan, who for the fourth time this weekend are once again grandparents. We send our congratulations to them and to their son Ben and daughter-in-law Anne upon the birth of their newest grandchild, Jane Shearer Hill. Join us in congratulating them. We hope you will keep an eye to the chapel website for all of our upcoming services and activities, www.bu.edu chapel. You will find there also the opportunity for online giving. As we move now to the time for uh, our offertory, I would invite you to meditate on Stephen Paulus' arrangement of the road home. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
give us every good and perfect thing. Scripture reveals to us that your compassion is born through the word for womb. So may your maternal compassion, creativity, and strength bless and multiply these gifts, that we who give them and they who receive them may be enlivened and strengthened in the life of faith, to go forth in peace to do your work of love and justice in the world. In the name of Christ and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night a star shine through, your dullest morn a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. The blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and evermore. Amen.